The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Post Media's international affairs columnist and Canada's longest serving foreign correspondent joins us next. Uh, Matthew Fisher recently returned, like just landed from Japan, saw firsthand how the effects of COVID-19 has had on Asian communities. Uh, Matthew, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. So you just landed back in Canada? I just did land back in Canada after 16 days in Japan. I, I go to Asia very often, uh, usually several times a year, so I'm, I'm relatively familiar with the whole deal, but especially with Japan, which is one of my favorite countries to visit. Can you give us an idea, like paint a, paint a picture of, of how things changed there over the past uh, couple of weeks, maybe even from, you know, your, your last trip to this trip? Well, last trip to this trip, or even this trip to this trip, <laughs> uh, because uh, uh, I, during the time I was there, uh, a, a lot changed. Uh, maybe I could attack it from that angle. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, when I arrived, maybe 30% of the people were wearing face masks. Now, in Japan and in Asia, people wear these masks more often than other parts of the world to prevent infection. So that was more than usual, but not a huge number. When I left, Jalen, the, the number was about 90 percent i'd say of people wearing it so that much of a difference but there's so many other things it's hard to keep track just in japan let alone all the other countries of all the emergency measures being put in place and ones that i think we may end up with in canada in the weeks to come all japanese schools universities high schools public schools kindergartens they are all closed until at least the end of march just think of that in terms of daycare arrangements for family let alone anything else in canada if all the schools in canada were closed for that duration sumo wrestling huge sport in japan the big osaka tournament is being played with nobody watching Mm -hmm. it in person it's all on television the japanese baseball season and japan baseball they're as fanatical about it as any americans or or some canadians are that season is being played before empty (laughs) houses as well all kinds of ramifications for conferences just about everything where people gather has been cancelled and that is in japan where the number of cases is less than in korea and less by far than in China, but they're creeping up, not creeping up. Every day there are many more. We're starting to see this in Canada too. Every day there's a bump of a few more numbers and in a few weeks it could be a heck of a lot more than that. You were talking in your commentary, uh, your latest commentary today about uh, the world's busiest train station, Shinjuku, and talking about being able to uh, get on on that train and not be squished in there and, and my son has lived there and he would tell me about that and how how packed everything was uh, whenever he was on those trains but you're saying that's not like that at all now. It isn't. You know, until a year or two ago, the Japanese for their subways had men whose only job it was to cram people in so that the doors could shut. And uh, they stopped doing that a year or two ago, but they had it until then. These subways, these trains, these commuter trains get terribly, terribly packed. And uh, you almost never get a seat. When I went through Shinjuku Station, which is the busiest station in the world, busier than anything in China, 
uh, normally when you cross it, thousands of people are intersecting. It's like a mad scramble to get where you're going to. At 4 o'clock in the afternoon last week, just on the cusp of uh, uh, rush hour, I could see across an expanse of a couple hundred meters and there were maybe 30 or 50 people. I never get a seat during wow. rush hour. In fact, I have hardly any breathing space during rush hour in these trains and I found very easily a seat this time. Uh, restaurants, uh, fewer people going to them, uh, all kinds of airplane cancellations. It's across the board this is having an effect and think of the economic knock-on consequences of all this too. Well, yeah, and you touch on that in your commentary and you also, you know, touch on the on the fact that, you know, depending on what happens here at home here in Canada, I mean, how would this impact? How would Canadians how how would Canadians deal with this? As you said, you know, not uh, possibly allowing your kids to go to school, your kids not being allowed to go to school. Maybe you have to work from home whatever it is, but we start to see uh, the impact on the economy. We're starting to see that already. I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's a couple of months ahead of us that are, are still unknown, isn't there? Well, and the Alberta budget is yeah. so dependent even today after all the controversies about oil and energy resources. It still is heavily dependent on oil and energy, and that market is collapsing big concerns for Russia and Saudi Arabia, but I guess for Alberta too. If the market is down by 30 or 50 percent for three months or six months or nine months, this also has tremendous effects. You may have seen the satellite images of China that were released in the last couple of days before and after a few weeks ago, totally enshrouded the country in smog. And it's famous for with India having the worst pollution in the world by far. And now China is clear. That's a positive aspect, I think. But the economic consequences, just last week, the world stock markets lost $5 trillion of value. Uh, and uh, we're at, many scientists believe we're just at the beginning of the ramifications medically, and the economists believe the beginning of the ramifications economically. Uh, a lot of people, I guess, will work from home. Uh, not really a thing in in Japan, mm-hmm. but all companies have been ordered to try to do it. Uh, the concern is so great with banks there that half of the bank employees work for two weeks and the other half stay at home and work from there. And then there's a total switch. They're not even <laughs> supposed to see each other wow. socially, the two groups, in order to make sure the banking system will continue to function. Matthew, uh, one of the things that uh, a lot of people are also talking about is, is uh, the Olympics, the Summer Olympics coming up. And uh, this weekend, the Japanese prime minister said that they will go ahead. But I know that you've been talking to others who are saying, you know what, we're looking at kind of a number of different options. Do we do we postpone? Do we delay? Do we move it a year? Uh, what do you think? Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen there? Well, first of all, the prime minister, Mr. Abe, can say what he wants about the Olympics, but it's not his call. Mm-hmm. The IOC, the International Olympic Committee, has the total right to have the games or cancel them. It's right in the contract that they have with the Japanese organizing committee. Uh, Dick Pound, the Canadian who's the most senior member of the IOC and a very senior person within the leadership hierarchy as well, has said uh, that uh, they can wait until the end of May in terms of going ahead or not. 26 billion U.S. dollars in investment there. Imagine if that's wiped out, what that means for NBC, what it means for CBC. So they are looking 
but they say there are no solutions. They cannot postpone it this year because it gets into all the pro soccer schedules and all the pro football schedules, baseball World Series, everything else, including in Japan where baseball is a big sport and they have their own, not World Series, but Japanese championship. And so the only other option possibly is to move it to next summer. Uh, But even then, all the hotels are booked for next summer for other things. They'd have to toss tens of thousands of people out. If you have the Olympics without the spectators, well, then uh, Hmm. you certainly won't have much of the atmosphere, and uh, the Japanese will be on the hook for huge losses from people not coming in to to buy tickets, but also all the restaurants, the hotels. Already restaurants there are down about 30%, and in Canada, those people are the front line, people who work in post office jobs, bus drivers. uh, Those kind of people can't work from home, and they're the most exposed because they see the most people. They would be the most vulnerable if this gets really bad. Matthew Fisher joining us this afternoon. Matthew, uh, I'm out of time. Unfortunately, I could talk to you for the next half hour uh, about this. I want to thank you for joining us this afternoon, and thank you for sharing uh, your experience um, over the past 16 days in Japan. I appreciate and look forward to reading more of your columns. Thank you very much. Hope to speak with you again. Take care. Matthew Fisher joining us this afternoon. He is a Post Media's international affairs columnist. And uh, his commentary today, the topic is how the coronavirus has changed daily life in Asia. We touched uh, a lot on Japan there, but he also talks about China and the impact moving forward there as well.